What's the difference between a tax man and a taxidermist? Welcome in guys, glad to have you here once again. I'm your host, Eric Powers with Sky Blue Wealth, back with you to talk about retirement and saving money. We've got a great show lined up for you today where we'll get into some wild stories about IRS audits, which no one really wants to go through, right? They are a big hassle and lots of stress. But before we get going, if you would tap that follow button and subscribe to the show, hit the bell icon and you'll get notified whenever a new episode comes out. And thank you, of course, to all of our subscribers who have been following the show. Now, here's what's on tap. We're going to mix things up with some commentary on those crazy audit stories. Plus, we'll mix in some tax and IRS facts to hopefully help you stay between the guidelines on your tax returns. Again, I've said it before, we always aim for an A+. Now, some of these stories are from several years ago, uh, which have been reported on news websites. But others are more anecdotal, and they were collected from various forums. So I can't vouch for those stories being 100% accurate, but we didn't include any stories that I didn't feel were plausible. In other words, someone somewhere has tried to write off an exotic pet as a tax deduction, I'm sure. I remember Mike Tyson who had two albino tigers back in the day. And just for the record, I have met Mike Tyson. I saw him in an airport and I got his signature. I'm not sure if Iron Mike tried to write them off or not, but I do know he had plenty of money troubles for someone who earned millions in just one or two rounds of lots of fights. Why did I go down this rabbit hole? It started with a story about a guy who says he got audited for a $15 education expense he listed on his tax return. He wondered how much the IRS spent to make sure he wasn't getting away with a whopping $15. Like I say, there's no way to verify this story, but as you'll hear coming up, verified news stories on IRS audits will show you how detailed they can be on checking returns. Detailed or ridiculous, you take your pick. And sometimes an audit may not be triggered by a return as much as the type of business it is. I found this nugget on a law firm site, a case study that showed how a nail salon got audited out of nowhere. Now, was the business targeted because nail salons are known to take in more cash than other types of businesses? Well, maybe. But regardless of the real reason for the audit, it turned out ugly for the owner. She had a CPA and he told her not to worry because he kept solid records and had done so for the last eight years she'd been doing business with him. He estimated there could be a $1,000 penalty, if any. But nope, what happened is she got an $85,000 bill from the IRS. According to the law firm, the bill was due to the fact that the IRS felt the salon workers should have been classified as employees instead of independent contractors. That one fact nearly snowballed into a $100,000 tax bill. That'll turn any business owner's face color to a Corvette red nail polish, folks. So how'd our audit end? Well, the agents offered a lower tax bill, get this, at $65,000. She would only owe $20,000 if she agreed to change her workers over to employee status, which she did, but this is strange because what option did she really have? She'd already lost her appeal after showing she thought she had proof that the workers were contractors. So if she hadn't agreed to convert them, she probably would have been in the same mess the year after and then the next year and next year after that. I guess another option could have been that she shut down the business, but she'd still owe the $85,000 as far as I can tell from the details that were laid out. So this is a good warning, guys. A big no-no in the income tax world is to expect your workers to show up on a regular schedule with regular quitting time, etc., but classifying them as independent contractors. If they walk like an employee, act like one, and quack like an employee, it's wise to classify them as an employee. And if they're quacking, keep an eye on that. Seriously though, always check with the solid tax advisor on tax matters that can trip you up down the line. Now I found this next story on Quora.com, 
which is a solid place for information. It's not a news site, but it's more of a Q&A site with lots of experts answering questions. Okay, so I'll keep this one as simple as possible. This guy worked as a controller of a large company in Kentucky. The company helped restore power in Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina back in 2005. Well, after all the work was complete, come to find out, Mississippi had a contractor tax, and the Kentucky firm was unaware of that when they took the project. Because they're not familiar with the Mississippi tax, well, they tried to argue that they went in to assist the community in an emergency situation, which Katrina absolutely was. They hired an attorney in Mississippi in hopes that they wouldn't get blindsided by even more legal hammers that they just weren't aware of, but that didn't help. Their plea to avoid the tax fell on deaf ears. The contractor tax is 3.5% currently, according to Mississippi.gov. Now, the guy who worked as a controller and was telling about this saga didn't reveal any dollar amounts, but restoring power on a massive level had to go into the millions of dollars you can imagine, right? And so, if it was just $1 million, 3.5% of that is $35,000. And I'll read what the Mississippi website says in brief about this tax. The following provides a brief summary of sales and use tax information on construction contractors. The sales tax law levies a 3.5% contractor's tax on all non-residential construction activities when the total contract price or compensation received exceeds $10,000. Furthermore, it then goes on to mention out-of-state companies. So it goes like this. Prior to beginning work, the prime contractor is required to apply for a material purchase certificate for the contract. For non-residential contracts exceeding $75,000, the contractor's tax and any use tax must be paid before workers begin. So maybe you've heard of this expression before, it's better to beg for forgiveness instead of asking for permission. Well, in this case, that was a big mistake. And to be honest, most people, including myself, wouldn't recommend that when dealing with any government agency. Tax collectors especially aren't very forgiving. If your company takes on projects out of state, it is a good lesson to get the lowdown on the local and state taxes so that you can expect stuff like this. In some states that you might consider more highly regulated, let's say like New York, you'd expect this kind of thing, but Mississippi, you wouldn't think it quite so much. I'm gonna go into a brief tax tip time. This is a scam tip also. The IRS doesn't threaten you with deportation, arrest, or other criminal action over the phone. This is a very common scam, and it works because it uses fear. Now, if you receive a legit letter from the IRS, you need to take action on that and not ignore it. Still, don't go to any websites that aren't official, like ending in .gov, or call up a phony number and then give your bank account information. If you call the IRS and get a human on the line, it's probably the wrong number, by the way. The IRS is notorious for not answering the phones. And while I'm at it, one of the most common mistakes on tax returns is taxpayers entering bad information by mistake. So take your time when you're filling this information out. Make sure that the social security number is right. Make sure that your numbers that you're pulling from various different sources are accurate. The IRS and state revenue services are just very good at checking that the numbers are exactly correct and you don't want to trigger an audit accidentally. So this next audit story showed up in Bloomberg several years ago. And it's real ironic, this one. This lady was shocked when the Internal Revenue Service wanted her to pay up on about $42,000 that she had failed to report. The money was from eBay sales. She couldn't believe it, despite the fact that her day job was an IRS officer. And her defense was pretty flimsy. She didn't keep receipts to write off the cost of the item sold because she didn't know she had to report income from eBay. Again, she worked for the IRS. She wound up in a whole mess. 
If you earn income, whether it's from eBay or gambling or selling a million cups of lemonade in your subdivision, Uncle Sam is going to want his cut of the action. So don't assume any money coming in is tax-free regardless of where it originates. And if you have questions about income or inheritance, for example, my shameless plug is coming, feel free to contact us with those concerns. Our contact information, as always, is at the bottom of the show notes. Planning ahead, including tax planning, is the best way to avoid surprise taxes and taxes which are entirely avoidable. Get ahead of the game so that you can reduce not only your current income taxes, but your overall lifetime income taxes. Here's another little-known tax fact. During tax time each year, you notice lots of companies advertising their tax services, like H&R Block or TurboTax. But have you ever considered how many unregistered tax services pop up at the time? Well, I did crunch the numbers, and it's actually a lot. The Government Accountability Office ran those numbers too, and they did an investigation and found tons of mistakes. And what they looked like in a lot of cases was fraud. This example I'm about to refer to was back in 2014. Listen to this. They found significant preparer errors during undercover site visits to 19 randomly selected tax preparers. Refund errors varied from giving the taxpayer less by $52 and up to $7,800 more than the correct refund amount. Only two out of 19 preparers calculated the correct refund amount. And if you're wondering what some of the mistakes were, one is not reporting non-W-2 income or claiming an ineligible child for the earned income tax credit. And another one is not asking all of the required eligibility questions for the American Opportunity Tax Credit. One more that came up in this report was the preparer themselves not providing the correct preparer tax ID number. They have a specific tax identification number. All right, I found this sad story on thestreet.com. This couple ran into tax trouble because of something they didn't even do. Well, they didn't do it, but they did sign off on it. You see, their accountant screwed up their expense category and the couple signed their tax forms without noticing the error, which could happen for most taxpayers who aren't reviewing if they've hired a professional. If you have a registered CPA or an EA, you can usually trust that they'll get it right because they have something to lose, primarily their registration to practice in taxes. And most taxpayers wouldn't know if their forms are exactly right unless a crazy number were entered that caught their attention. So one, get a quality tax professional, and two, always do review your tax returns before you sign them. When something looks off, just ask questions, take your time, don't rush through the forms. And just as a note, it helps not to wait to the last minute to file, of course. You give yourself a little bit of time to be able to look, walk away, look again, and do a spot check. Oh, and in this case, the couple suffered greatly as a result. They went as far as to take their case to Capitol Hill. And I guess so. Because according to the article, they had spent over 30 months fighting the IRS and $95,000 in legal and accounting fees to defend their company in an expense audit. And they were planning to spend another $15,000 in appeals. The tax man cometh with a vengeance, folks. It's a terrible story, especially considering it all started from a mistake. By the way, over 155 million tax returns were submitted to the IRS in 2020. Also, from a 2021 article, the top 1%, those who are earning $540,000 or more, accounted for 40% of the federal income tax paid. Okay, guys, I'll slip in one more story since we don't have a recap to do today. The only recap is to stay on the sunny side of the IRS and any state revenue service. Now, I hate to leave you with the story that could shoot your blood pressure up, but this one's just too juicy. According to efile.com, there was a renegade IRS agent in California who urged delinquent taxpayers to get a second mortgage 
in order to pay for their bill. That's a crooked move and obviously not protocol, but it gets worse because he was getting paid to do so by the mortgage company. I'd say that's a little bit of a conflict of interest, uh, maybe just a smidge, actually, no, a whole lot. All right, guys, if you have tax-related or retirement plan questions, be sure to contact me today. Plan ahead and always plan to win the long game of retirement. I'm here to help, just give me a call. Oh yeah, and I almost forgot, we started the show with this. The only difference between a tax agent and a taxidermist is the taxidermist leaves the skin. And that's from Mark Twain. <laughs> all right, you all have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor.